right, welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong Podcast with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker here. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. And this is our first one that we're doing with a Facebook Live. So we got video to this. So if you're just now catching on, um, catching this episode via audio, you can also go back to our Facebook page at Enoch Baptist Church and click the video because we'll we'll be uploading the live version of this. And we taped at that moment, of course, um, so everybody can hear it or and see it. We're also eventually in the near future be having a YouTube channel to where we'll videotape some of these and then put those up there where you can see them, you know, on your um, spare time. But in the meantime, today, we don't really have necessarily a main topic today. We just want to have a free um, conversation about what's going on in the world and how it affects um, Christians, even the 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 old seasoned saints as well as the new people that's just been saved, and how to you know uh, conquer the world, so to speak, in, from your perspective. So those are some of the topics we will be discussing today. So once again, welcome to the show, Doctor Daniels. Thank you so much, uh, Brother Baker. It's always good to be here. And let me just say this. You know, I think that sometimes we look at Christianity, we look at our religion as being separate from everyday life. You know, we kind of uh, compartmentalize it as if it's a Sunday uh, event. But in reality, um, the the walk as a Christian does have a direct impact on how we deal with life in general. And, and, and so it's always a good thing to appreciate that how I respond to life should always reflect my personal beliefs, whether it be in politics, education, or what have you. So I think this is a great, great time and a great opportunity for us to kind of help individuals appreciate that their Christian walk should be demonstrated throughout their entire life. Yes. Now, it's moving on to the more or less the, the elephant in the room that we have not talked about since the election, which is Donald Trump, our new president. Um I know we have stayed away from more controversial type topics, but we're deciding today. Let's go ahead and have a conversation about that. So how do how would you expect Christians to react to a situations that we're having now with Donald Trump? This seems like with President Trump, this seems like he does not have everybody's best interests at heart and he has his own set agenda. So how should we go about that when people say pray for the country? Well, I I would say, first of all, uh, we absolutely need to be praying for the country. There's no doubt. Uh, But Donald Trump is not the first president that did not uh, present ideas that were um, agreeable with the um, what 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 the population at large felt was in their best interest. You know, all presidents kind of veer to one one side or another, whether it be the far right, whether it be to the far left. And so, uh, when you look at the, um, the, the 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 policies that uh, Donald Trump is trying to push forward, um, I, you know, I certainly don't think that they are beneficial to everybody. You know, and they're certainly uh, slanted uh, toward a certain group of people. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for him. Number one, we should pray that somehow he would get the understanding uh, that he is a president of, of all people and not just a certain group, not just his constituent base, but of all bases. And, and secondly, um, I think that also we have to understand something. And that is uh, for those of us who are upset that he is a president, 
uh, we we put him there uh, because of our lack of enthusiasm for the alternative. And so it's difficult to complain about the position you're in if you've done little to change your position. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and then correct me if I'm wrong. Most people do believe that church itself as a whole is more conservative. So they vote more Republican than they do Democrat. And with a Republican in office, and, and some people may even argue that he's a true Republican, how does that affect the church for the, does do you feel the church as a whole, not necessarily Enoch, but as an embodiment? Um, do you feel like they feel some type of obligation to maybe um, promote Trump or like promote the ideas because it's more conservative? Or do you think that um, right now, the, you know, the church or and or black church is more standoffish now? Because I really don't hear too much of the church involved with President Trump's agendas. Well, let me say this, that, number one, um, Christianity is not conservative. Okay, let's lay that on the table. Right. Um, There are some church groups, especially evangelicals, that are conservative, um, but that's not the church. They're just more vocal. For example, the Episcopal Church has long accepted ordained uh, gay and and lesbian uh, priests. So that certainly is not a conservative concept to to do that. Uh, And um, in, in the black church, uh, while we may be conservative on some issues, you know, we are liberal on, on other issues. You know, for example, uh, by and large, the Baptist church believes in autonomy. And so, therefore, we also believe in your right to go to hell if you choose to do so. That's not a conservative concept. Uh, but but, but what, I, what I would say to, is this, is that most oftentimes uh, churches can be very hypocritical in nature. Uh, because if I am saying that I am voting conservative because that is my uh, religious beliefs, that's because I don't have a good understanding of the Bible. In fact, if you look at some of the conservative beliefs, they are each man for himself. You know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and make your own way and don't rely on a socialistic society to benefit you. Well, that's not what the Bible says. In fact, the Bible, uh, actually, if you look at the uh, the book of Acts, um, and in that church, it was an all for one, one for all concept. All came and brought their funding together and they made sure everyone ate that everyone was taken care of. And we would call that welfare in, in, in this community. Or socialism. So, or, or socialism. Right. Absolutely. So so really, when you look at the church and how it views how it politics, it, it, it really, in some ways, is hypocritical in nature. Uh, Jesus was, was a strong proponent of taking care of the poor, a strong proponent of ensuring that those that were less fortunate were taken care of by those that were more fortunate. But that's not how the conservative viewpoint is. Uh, you know, they want to desecrate social um, programs, uh, and that's not a that's not a Christian uh, uh, concept at all. So, why do you think that the conservative right? If they always are throwing religion in people's faces and things like, why don't they follow that same notion? They always kind of back up when it's time to for government programs to help the poor. I I think because oftentimes that the conservative right um, has been governed by a sense of um, that that all these programs affect people who are unworthy of receiving them. 
And so uh, because of that, they think it's their duty to, to right the ship, per se. There is a, um, uh, a, a, a fallacy out there, for example, that the majority of welfare recipients are African-American and that those welfare recipients uh, don't deserve to get what they get from welfare, that they are somehow rigging the system, that they are lazy, that they don't want to work and all these kind of things. When the reality is that blacks are a minority in getting welfare. There are more right. people that are white that get welfare than blacks that get welfare. So so oftentimes what happens is because they have pushed people to view it that way, then they, they vote based on an emotional thing, thinking that, well, these black folk, they're just taking money from us, you know, good, hardworking folk, when the reality is not that, you know, not, that's not the case at all. So people don't really vote based on Christian principles. Um, they they vote oftentimes based on, uh, as our president would say, fake news. Right. And, and he is certainly, in my opinion, uh, one of the premier uh, individuals uh, that uses fake news to his advantage. Oh, yes. Uh, so, uh, and that's what people vote. You know, and I'll give you a classic example. Let's look at universal health care. Well, universal health care was initially a conservative concept. Uh, but when the Democrats or the, when the when the left, let's say, decided that they wanted to push universal health care, all of a sudden it became horrific. It became something that was, you know, that no one could deal with. And, and so uh, that's kind of hypocritical to me. If it's OK when a conservative push it, but not OK when a liberal push it, something is wrong with that thinking, because our thinking should not be who's promoting it. But is it a value to us? And that should be really the underlying issue. And again, if you look at it from, from a scriptural standpoint, it just makes sense that everyone have the ability to obtain good health care. Now, how you get it, I guess, is, you know, is one thing, but we should make sure that's available. So when you look at health care, for example, and, and you know, the, um, one of the things that the conservatives currently are driving home is that the cost is too high. But we know why the cost is too high. The cost is so high because the conservatives are pushing so the cost would be high so that so that the Affordable Care Act would fail. Right. You know, they had the ability and they still have the ability to make it so that the costs are reduced. But they don't want to do that because they want it to fail. Yeah. And it seems like they don't want um, programs that that they didn't put forth to work. It's more like a team atmosphere for as Republicans versus Democrats versus, Hey, this is all one country. Just because you didn't win the election doesn't mean that you, that you have to um, vote against everything. If it makes good sense, it seems like you should be able to go ahead and vote the yes button when it's time to vote. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and they're still doing that, even though conservatives are now the majority in the House, the Senate, and they certainly hold the executive branch. But they're still not cohesive in how to move the country forward. And, and again, you know, if you look at the programs that they are willing to push, for example, they're willing to put more money into building prisons but they're not willing to put more money into early child care development. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Right. Is that you're willing to spend millions of dollars per individual to keep them incarcerated for life, but you're not willing to take a couple of thousand dollars 
and prevent the person from being incarcerated by ensuring they have early childhood education and, and so forth and so on. And that goes back to the, the Black History Program that you had at the church that talked about the 13th Amendment. A- absolutely. It, it's, almost, it's almost as if um, and, and, and that we have unfortunately placed our priorities in, in, in places that just doesn't make sense. And so, you know, even though they may have good intentions, they're not really viewing the whole picture. It kind of reminds me of the old saying, you never bite your nose to spite your face. And that's what's happening. If you look at, you know, the programs that the conservatives are trying to demolish, they end up costing us more money in the long run. Um, but because the decisions are being made based on um, misinformation and based on what I would call biases, um, th- th- we, we don't get what we deserve from the government that we have put in place to serve us. Now, Planned Parenthood, you know, the announcement made last week that um, that it most likely will cut some of the federal funding from Planned Parenthood. And I know you have you have said in the pulpit you know, your opinions about um, Planned Parenthood and abortions and things. Why is it, do you think, that the Republican Party is pushing this so hard when it's not really necessarily an issue, like a barn burning issue where it's like in the media constantly? You know, like like, for instance, where you have um, with Black Lives Matter and you have the situation with, you know, um, young African-Americans being um, killed by the police. That is a issue now. Right. But that's not being brought up. But then we bring up Planned Parenthood. And but no one is even talking about that. But then it, it but then it goes to his desk. Most likely will get signed. Why does things like that happen? You know, I, I think is a lot of it has to do with the fact that there are certain hot button issues that uh, the conservative political movement knows will get their base energized. Right. And, and, and that's one of the things that they know will get them energized, get them out, get them doing things. If you look at Planned Parenthood, I mean, really the concept, just look at the concept of Planned Parenthood makes perfectly good sense to plan when you're going to have a child. That's now, correct. I, I realize and I believe in divine intervention, but it just makes good sense to plan when you're going to have a child. In fact, if we look at the birth of uh, Jesus, uh, it was planned. Now, it may not have been planned by Planned Parenthood, but it had been foretold thousands of years prior to it happening, which suggests that it was a planned event. So just the concept makes good sense. Now, if you look at what Planned Parenthood does, it does more than abortions. Again, but see, that's that fake news where people get out there and they push agendas and they're doing things to fire up the base to get votes because if you do that, the, the, little, the little money that goes into Planned Parenthood is a minuscule compared to the deficit and all those kinds of things, but it does get their base fired up. Um, you know, I, my thing is this, is that when you look at tax dollars, and that's what you really need to be looking at, tax dollars, Tax dollars are not just given by evangelicals. Tax dollars are not just given by Catholics. Tax dollars are not just given by Christians. If you are a, a, an individual that works in this country, uh, chances are you pay taxes. And so if you think about that, just from the precept or the concept, I guess, of how this country was um, established, that would suggest that If you pay taxes, you should have a voice in how the money is spent. Well, if the majority of the people in this country say they want Planned Parenthood to be given a part of their tax dollar, 
then that's what should happen. It should not be a minority saying, hey, we don't want money to go there and therefore it won't go there because we don't like what they're doing. I may not like what they're doing, but I don't like other things that the conservative right is doing, but my tax dollars still go to that as well. And so if my tax dollars can go there, then, you know, tax dollars can go wherever the majority of people want them to go. Again, I say it's hypocritical for you to tell me where my tax dollars must go, but yet you won't allow others' tax dollars to go where they want their tax dollars to go. Right. Now, um, switching gears here, uh, yesterday in the church service, you did a uh, very good service, sermon on decreasing to increase. And so... In the segue here, but with the political realm of things, I also feel like maybe America as a whole needs to kind of think in that along those lines, decrease our ego to increase the the betterment for everybody. So just real brief, um, just give us a brief synopsis of, you know, what you was talking about yesterday in church service. Uh, certainly, you know, and, and of course, in the church, we were looking at it from a spiritual standpoint, obviously. And, and the sense is that in order for me to, to revamp my paradigm of life in general, I have to take away from what I think I am. Because if I maintain who I am, I cannot change my paradigm. And so I must decrease who I am to allow a new paradigm to come in. From a spiritual standpoint, that means I have to get rid of my old you know, concepts and I have to allow the Christian concepts, the things that Jesus taught to come in, let the gospel start to overtake and, 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 and rule me. Now, the more that I allow his concepts to come in, the more my lifestyle will change. So I operate the way you know he positions me to operate. The more I operate that way, then the better position I will be to get the benefit of his of me following his leadership. If I don't follow Christ's leadership, I can't expect to get the blessing that he poured out for me because the blessings are practical. We oftentimes think, well, the windows of heaven really will open up. <laughs> that if I really pray, money going to drop out of heaven. I often hear folks say, well, I prayed and a check came in the mail. Well, okay, you know, maybe it did. But let's face it, God operates in a practical manner. You know, he gives us talents to be utilized. So if I decrease and let God increase in my life, it allows me to use those talents in the way that God intended them to be used. The more I use them that way, the better person I become, but also the better I'm able to take advantage of things that God put in my pathway. Because for example, if I operate that God want me, wants me to operate, I use my income in a more frugal manner. I, I, I invest more wisely. I train my children up better. So everybody benefits. I treat my wife better. I treat my home better. You know, those kind of things become a part of my my lifestyle. And so that same application can be applied to America as well, because we have a society that has shifted paradigm. It used to be a time when in America we did put America first. Now, I hear our president say put America first, but he never in his life that I know of, when I look at his business dealings, when I look at all the things he's, he's done, he did not put America first. He put himself first. I mean, that's just the bottom line. When you go into a city like he did with Atlantic City and you rape the city, basically, when you go into that city and you build things and the local people don't get the benefit of your having built those casinos, when you file bankruptcy and those small companies that were in the cities now 
uh, don't get paid for their work. You have raped the city. That was not putting America first. That was putting Donald Trump Industries first. Uh, and and so, but if we we used to be, if you, when we came out of World War One, came out of World War Two, came out of the Korean War, uh, we really people really did put America first. They were willing to sacrifice today to benefit tomorrow, and that's not how we think now. So it, when you get in that mode of thinking where everyone is for themselves. We don't save like we used to. You know, our communities are not as vibrant as they used to. And if we can uh, step back and accept that, hey, I only have one life to live. And so what I need to do is stop trying to always live for my benefit, but let the let the person in me decrease so that I can look at how can I help everybody, then our communities will be better, which will in turn make our cities better, which makes our state better, which makes us a stronger nation. And it makes it the environment and the area that you're living in better, too. So you get more comfortable. Absolutely. It just changes. The, it changes everything. And America really does need a paradigm shift. And unfortunately, we don't have leadership currently that will help us shift the paradigm. We have leadership that's taken us back to a place where we are more divisive, uh, where we, we are more problems are cropping up, um, where you know we will get to the place where we may even implode if we don't make a change. Yeah, and I, I also I was I was talking with my wife and I was telling her about how the country boomed after World War II. And and that's what I kind of feel like what Donald Trump is talking about, make America great again, going back to the 50s and 60s when we was building everything. But it, like like Van Jones would say from CNN, the 50s and 60s weren't great for everybody. Yeah. You know, now the, the one thing I will say is you can go back to the days when we built things in the, in the country and do everything and leave the negative back there and move ahead with the positive, be more progressive. You know, I'm, you know, I'm from Texas. And I remember when they would put out the bids for to build a highway and, you know, other uh, other states will come in and bid on the contract and, and lowball it. But then you have people working on the interstate that's not even from Texas. So how did that benefit the state of Texas by employing the people there if they're not from Texas? And then there was using undocumented workers right. to also build it. You know, you could just look, you know, look outside your car when you was riding and tell that they wasn't from here. You know, that was building. So it didn't have the same. Um, it didn't have the impact that they was looking for. So I, I'm really curious to to know what is it, uh, Pastor, that we can do as individuals to help, you know, get things go back in the right direction. And also, if you're also getting the quote unquote fake news from, you know, the Trump administration, what can we do, Pastor, to help everything go back to the correct and the correct news and put the truth out there about what's going on, good, bad and ugly? Well, I, I think the first thing that we can do uh, is is we have to be real about our own biases and we have to be honest about that. Um, and, and so uh, you, you're right. The 40, late 40s, the 50s and, and the early 60s, they were great if you were white Anglo-Saxon male. No doubt about it. You, 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 you flourished during those times. But our society is different now. We, you know, we are no longer a society where blue collar uh, jobs um, are, 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 are the driving force behind our economy. We just have moved beyond that. We are more of a service economy now, and that's just the way it is. Now, part of it is because of our own greed. 
You know, when you have people that make more money um, uh, driving a truck than a college degree educator makes in the public school system, they're, they're, that's, that's a problem. And, and so it's our own greed because we have forced uh, ourselves out of uh, those, those labor conditions. And so we have to, again, that's why I say we have to have a new paradigm. We have to stop being so greedy. We have to stop thinking of us first and think of our country first. But I think also is that in order for us to, to take full advantage of these situations, it also, we have to look at our homes and our communities, and we have to build from the inside out and stop trying to build from the outside in. See, Donald Trump doesn't control the community I live in. Right. He has zero impact on my community. Uh, in fact, the, the local politicians, their ones have the greatest impact on my community. And he has little impact on my home. So what I have to do is I have to start putting my Christian principles in place in my own community. I have to make sure that I know my neighbors, my neighbors know me. Because that's how we built communities when I was a kid. You knew your neighbor. You talked to your neighbor. You ensured that your neighborhood was a good neighborhood because you did it locally. You know, and that we don't do that anymore. So to me, that's the starting place. We have to build our own communities, which will in turn impact our cities. Now, now one thing I will say, Pastor, you do put um, you put the money to the road when you're doing all the things for the church. So give us for the people that don't know. Tell us what the church is doing. Enough about this church is doing to help and uplift the community. Absolutely. I, you know, our whole emphasis from the moment we got there uh, was community first. And so, uh, and again, it's a Christian principle. There's certainly not anything that was new, innovative. Jesus said uh, that we are the salt of the earth. And if the salt is lost as savior, it's good for nothing but to be thrown out. So our concept is simple. And that is that if Enoch Baptist Church were to fall to the wayside, would anyone in the community weep? And if they would not be worse off because we left, then we had no reason being there in the first place. So I think that should be the underlying issue for all churches. All of us should be asking ourselves that simple question. What is our true benefit to the community? not how much the community is benefiting us. So from that standpoint, the first thing we looked at was how can we improve the the lives of the children and the the mothers in the community? Because the community that we serve has a lot of single uh, homes, you know, uh, single parent homes. And so we looked at how can we how can we help parents in that regard? So we started before after care programs, because as a single working individual, you want a safe place for your child to go prior to school. You want a safe place for your child to be at until you get out of work to come, you know, and pick them up. And so we had to we have the um, before and after care programs. We also have a summer camp. Summer camp begins when school ends and it keeps your child, you know, through the summer. And the summer camp is designed to be a safe, nurturing environment. It is, it is not a, um, uh, it, it is not to try to take the place of the parent. Let me say that right there. It is to aid the parent. And so it is to help the parent so the child does not experience that summer slide, that those, those loss of skills during the summer. But it also exposes the child to things they would not normally get exposed to. We take the children deep sea fishing, uh, for example. We take them to a weather service station so they can understand that there are more careers than just the standard ones. They can understand meteorology. We take them to air 
airports. We take them up on airplanes so they can appreciate aviation. Um, we have a STEM program where we teach uh, scuba diving courses. We teach them the physiological things that go along with that. And actually in that program, a child can actually get an open water certification if they stay through the program. Um, we also, um, every year we hand out a minimum of a thousand book bags full of school supplies to kids, uh, you know, just so we can start the year off progressively. We're also trying to work now with the teachers because we recognize that not only should this Honestly, the students have school supplies, but the teachers oftentimes spend their money buying school supplies. So we want to reward the teachers and help them out as well in the in the tri-campus area. Uh, we also have a program now that we have a strategic plan developed where we're looking to improve the community that we service. And in that strategic plan, there are four things that we look at. One is to reduce crime and the, uh, um, I guess, the the uh, appearance of crime, because we recognize that sometimes how I feel about the crime, that <laughs> right. the actual crime rate. Right. Uh, also to improve or to maintain um, the uh, value of the real property in the neighborhood so that people don't get underwater, you know, in their homes so we can make sure that their real property values remain constant or improving. Uh, thirdly is to um, ensure that the aesthetics of the community you know, or that which promote a feeling of community. So we want to keep the community clean, want to keep, keep the community viable. And the fourth one is to establish an entrepreneurial spirit in the community because there are a lot of young people in the community that uh, for various reasons may find themselves either unemployed or, or unemployable or not being able to, to, to get the type of job that they can secure their future. So we want to develop an entrepreneurial spirit to help them understand that, hey, you may not be a millionaire, but you can start your own business. You can run your own business. We can help you in those areas so you can have meaningful income. Yes. And that's one of the things we talked about in the last podcast when one of the um, the questions we got off the Facebook of what does the church do for people that's in, you know, that want to better themselves financially, you know, um, not the prosperity uh, preaching, but how to better yourself, you know, not, you know, give me your tithes and give me your money and then you'll get a blessing type thing. But right. really being practical with it, this is what you, you need to do with your money. And I will say this, Pastor. You have never wavered from the things that you have said with the 20 percent, you know, the 80 percent and then live off 80 percent and save your 20 percent, you know. So it's, it's been um, very insightful for the things that you have given me and told me where to go in the Bible, so to speak. So you're not saying, oh, just listen to me. No, no you actually tell me, Pastor, so this is where it's at. You know, you, you right. got to take my word for it. Here it is. You know, so that's one of the things I think a lot of people really appreciate with coming to Enoch Baptist Church is we get the information and then not only we get the information, we get this is where it's at if you need to go look at it further. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my my position is simple. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those pastors that uh, actually my background is business. You know, my undergrad degree is in uh, actually in, in management, my master's uh, MBA, um, but the emphasis was in economics. And then after I got that, that's when I went to seminary school and, and got my uh, doctorate in ministry. And, and so that's my, my background and, 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 you know, served in the federal government for quite some time as a financial manager. I, I appreciate the practicality of, of, uh, of, of Christianity. Uh, Jesus said, no man builds a house without first counting the cost. I mean, that's, that's just simple business. You know, that's, it's not right. like he's saying before you build your house, go down on your know, bended knees and pray and God will drop money out of heaven for 
the down payment. No, right. he says no man builds a house without first counting the cost. He's saying so before you get into any venture, you first sit down and make sure that you have the capital to make it happen. You have all the resources to make it happen, and that's you know that's the way we want to approach life uh, because God is not welfare. I mean, say that up front. God is not welfare. God is concerned about my welfare, but He's not welfare. And so uh, here's what the scripture says: is that the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And, and so everything on this earth God made, but he made it for me to be a steward of it, not for me to abuse it. And so that's what good stewards do with resources. They use them to benefit the ministry and the mission that God has. So for, if I'm a father, I use those resources to make sure my family is doing well. I don't abuse them. I use them the correct way. And so and that's, that's how it goes. So I don't look for God to put a check in my mailbox. No, I don't look at it that way. But what I view it is this. If, if I do what I'm supposed to do, for example, the Bible says, uh, obey those that have authority over you. Uh, and that doesn't, he's not talking about the ministers only. He means your supervisors. He means your managers. And so I have to understand scripturally, what does it mean to obey my manager? That means what? I do what my manager wants me to do. So I come to work on time. I'm obeying him. I take my breaks like he told me. I'm obeying him. I benefit him. I tell people all the time that for some reason we go to work on a job. We think it's our job to make our employee, our fellow coworkers happy. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says your job is to make the manager happy, obey the manager. See, if I make the manager happy, I'm going to get salaries. I'm going to get promotions. I'm going to get all those things that come along with being a good employee. See, the Bible is practical. It is, it is not this mystical book that is so lofty that everyone can't understand it. Unfortunately, there are some ministers that make it seem that way so they can make themselves look big and make themselves seem to be, you know, these great prophets and so forth and so on. Um, but that's not the Bible says a fool can follow it. Right. And so um, I, I'm, I'm a fool because I'm going to follow it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing how um, how simple a lot of things are. And it's like how you said, you'll get the answer. but It may not be the answer that you're looking for because you want you're always kind of looking for to make sure that what I'm doing is right. But then when you find out what you're doing is wrong, then a lot of people would like decrease the mm-hmm. increase. That mm-hmm. point, at that point, it's, it's time to let yourself out to let God in. Absolutely. And then when that happens, it's amazing how things just get easier to deal with. Even when you're going through issues in your life, when you read what's going, what the Bible says to do, and then you say, okay, I don't want to do that, but I know that this has to be true. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a shot. And then when you give it a shot, things get a lot easier. You know, I, you know what you say is, is right on point. And, you know, it's so simple. Like you say, it's so simple. And, and here's, the, here's the thing I, I, I think people need to take into consideration. If I have been struggling for 35, 40, 50 years, let's say, doesn't it make sense that what I'm doing is wrong? <laughs> So the only way for me to get better is to decrease. In other words, I have to stop doing what I'm doing. So I have to stop thinking that my way was the right way. That's decreasing. That's me becoming less of me and then becoming more of the scripture. Because the bottom line is if I'm not happy, if I'm struggling, then something ought to tell me, hey, you're not doing it the right way. And so if I let myself decrease and let God increase, I will see the change. I will see the benefit. He certainly knows more than I know. It reminds me of, you know, in Karl Marx, who happened to be a communist. I know some folks are going to get upset about me quoting <laughs> communism. But, hey, I'll take, a good, I'll take a good lesson from anyone that has to teach me. And here's what Karl Marx said, and, and I'm a paraphrase. Karl Marx says that 
in order to improve oneself, you have to change. And change, by definition, requires revolution. And in any revolution, someone or some idea must die. So simply put, I cannot get better unless I change the way I think. That's right. Well, you're here to hear people. We're running out of time here. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Daniels. This is your C.B. Baker. Thank you for listening. Till next time.